Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Waz and Lambray, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother on the west side of Los Angeles, California. What's going on, Nando? Uh, it's been forever, dude. I miss you. Uh, yeah, same. You know, the people are clamoring for us to come back. I, it's yes, mostly yes, my yes, fault. People. I apologize. So It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Last time I saw Nando, we were watching Heat. At the, what's that shit called? The Beverly, the New Beverly. The New Beverly. Cinema. Yeah, Tarantino's Theater. He curates the movies. Uh, the, the dude that was moderating the event said this that it was his personal print of Heat, which I thought was yeah. pretty fucking cool that we were yeah. watching Quentin Tarantino's personal print of, um, of Heat. Uh, just an incredible experience, like watching that in the movie theater. That fucking bank robbery scene... Dude, bro, it's so sick. that that like that, that experience is, so is crazy. Yeah, just the 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 loudness of the gun the gunshots and nuts. Um, it, it just, I just like De Niro and Pacino going at it, like just going full ham. So good, Pacino just uh, on one, dude. Like he was just on. She's one. got a great ass. <laughs> so good. 
So good, man. And your head is up in it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, man, we wanted to get into a couple of things because same old stuff in the news, obviously. Um, still a lot of war, death and suffering <laughs> happening. Lot. In the Middle East, yeah. uh, the situation in Ukraine, like I guess the Americans and and the West thought that Ukraine was going to be this little engine that could that could defeat the Russians. It seems to not be happening. They're not on the precipice of a victory over there. Uh, so there's that uh, South Carolina primary is happening in the Republican primary contest. Uh, Nikki Haley's about to get waxed in her home state, which is kind of nuts. But um such as life. And uh, yeah, man, what I really wanted to talk to you about, Nando, because I don't know if you've noticed this shit, man, but like some pretty prominent libs are publicly hitting the panic button on the Biden situation. Um, John Stewart in his comeback basically said, yo, Biden looks diminished. He looks old. This guy does not seem ready to take on the task of a whole ass presidential campaign. David Axelrod been killing this guy for like a year now. We know he was the, the architect of Obama's campaign, um, his chief of staff or whatever he was over there. Uh, a big Democrat. And, and a really like, smart political mind. Axelrod. Yes. Like he's a lib, uh, you know, but he's he's better Terrible than most. Politics. And, and he really is. And he's really sharp. Yeah. Yes, he 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 understands the game. He plays to win. Um, and he's yeah. looking at the board and he's like, yo, this is this guy's not a winner. This is not a winning yeah. proposition. Like this guy is just vastly diminished from what he was in 2020. It's just true. Like, just like so Ezra Klein, he put out like an emergency podcast, another big Democrat, yeah. like the type of guy we're talking about, like this guy was like the public mouthpiece of Obamacare. Type yeah, of shit, uh, Ezra right? Klein is like, probably the most influential liberal commentator. In period. Okay. Um, he's not on board with this shit. Ezra Klein is now going against the Democratic Party orthodoxy as far as the presidential race. Um, Nate Silver. <laughs> it's just like, and Nate Silver is not even the type of cat. He he fancies himself as somebody who's kind of calling balls and strikes. He's not really wading into the whatever, but like obviously he's just like, yo, these measurables right now are fucking horrible. And the idea that you just watch it and let it happen is crazy. And I just think it's wild that so many people are willing to publicly go against what the Democrats are trying to do with Biden right now. I I, I mean, like that has to mean something, Nando. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I, they're panicking. I mean, they're they're panicking, and, and rightly so, um, and because Biden is in fucking deep shit. I mean, his poll numbers are atrocious. Biden is losing Hispanic voters to a Republican. I mean, you can't win <laughs> if that happens. Like, it's just not... That's insane. Hispanic voters are the largest ethnic minority in the United States, by far. Um, and it's a demo like the Democrats always win, like handily. Um, yeah. I think before this, the, the closest a Republican got was when George W. Bush got 40% of the Hispanic vote, um, in 2004 in his reelection campaign because he ran on uh immigration reform, he ran on a comprehensive immigration reform that was actually mm -hmm. quite you know sympathetic to, to, 
to yeah. the undocumented and things like that. Um, he got 40% of the Hispanic vote. Um, yeah. And like, you know, Obama, Obama's like racking up, you know, 80%, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's just, if you lose the Hispanic vote, you lose the White House. You're a Democrat. You can't, there's no path to victory, you know, especially in key states like Arizona, um, you know, across the American, New Mexico, things like that. But even like there's Hispanics everywhere in America. That's like, you know, it's so that's that's a huge problem for him. Thanks. Um, Thanks, Spain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's he's also bleeding support amongst young voters, mostly because of God. Of course. Of you course. know, like he's be, he's bleeding support amongst the young um, in, in, you know, under 35 voters. Like, you know, again, just key part of the coalition for any Democrat to have a prayer at the White House. He's obviously in trouble with Arab American voters, which is not a huge ethnic minority, but are in key very states they are in a state like mm-hmm. in the states like Michigan, which is a huge swing state. Um, mm-hmm. There is a pretty large Arab American population there, um, and he's getting fucking waxed, obviously, uh, because because of Gaza. Um, and so, like, the issues are obviously the the war in in Gaza is killing him because he because he, he comes off as weak, you know. And his age, it just looks really bad, dude. Like today, did you see this? Today, he confused Navalny's wife, uh, his name. You know, like he met with Naval- uh, Navalny's widow. Navalny is the Russian dissident who uh, um, yeah, died in a Russian prison, too. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, her her name is uh, Yulia. Uh, which, and, uh, and he kept on calling her Yolanda. <laughs> He's cooked. He's he's cooked. He's cooked. Um, again, uh, I was um, so so <laughs> to get back to Ezra Klein. Um, he put out an emergency podcast. I'm subscribed to his shit. I try to listen when he has interesting people on, and he basically put out an emergency pod about why the Democrats should just nominate somebody at the convention. Yeah. And he played clips. He said, "Yo." I'm going to play you guys clips from his rallies from 2020. He was not this. He he yeah. he just wasn't this diminished. In tw- this is a different guy. Like, we need to stop ignoring this fact. And then he, you know, juxtaposed it against some, some more recent Biden clips. And it's fucking horrible. And it's just such a lack of vision. And, and here's another thing, too, that I'll say. Um, it's not that voters are... Rep- Rejecting the Democrats out hand, right? Like they keep winning these special elections and whatever. Like it's not the Democrats that voters have soured on. So, so I say that to say the powers yeah, that you could be like that's very the powers true, by that the, way. the powers that be in a di- if it was about the Democrats would be like, yo, all of us are getting killed. There's no reason to not go with the incumbent. Yada 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 yada. Right? That would be the talking point that they would use. That's not the case. It's isolated to Joe fucking Biden. It's obvious that this guy is bad. People have completely soured on him. And again, I don't know why they think voters are just so stupid. I I don't get it. Like, even if you want to say people are low information, we know the rules of engagement. This is why I don't feel bad for them either. They know what the rules of engagement are. It's essentially a beauty contest. It's essentially a popularity contest. It's essentially a charm off, if you will. You have to go on a charm offensive. You have to get people riled up 
to rally behind your cause. And your candidate has to be the face of that. He has to be the one making, selling that case. And if you have a guy who's unattractive because he can barely fucking talk and he's so clearly diminished, then you're not doing the game right. We know the rules. Like, like you know, I was using the example of um when Richard Nixon got his ass kicked by John F. Kennedy, right? And before TV became played this big role in presidential politics, like it didn't matter that he wasn't as good looking, as well-spoken, blah, 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 blah. He had all of these credentials. He was obviously more qualified. And he thought that would carry the day. But John F. Kennedy on a, you know, a, a debate on TV just wiped the floor with him and was just hot. You know, Americans wanted to fuck him. You know, and so that that vastly helped him, right? And and you could yeah. and Richard Nixon was like, "Yo, I didn't know these were the fucking rules, right?" You could yeah. say that, but like the Democratic Party can't say they don't know what the rules are. They don't know yeah. what it's like. They know, and yet they're still going with this. What's your best guess as to why nobody can push Biden out? Well, there's a the. Democrats are extremely uh, subservient, you know, the to mm-hmm. their to the party structures and the and the party power. They they don't have a culture of of internal um, challenging, you know, the power structure that they they really don't like that. They've stamped that out. I mean, they they, you know, if you think about, you know, how viciously they attack people like you know Ilan Omar or AOC whenever they step out of line a little bit. You know, yeah, I mean, they, they they snap into line immediately. Like, there's you no know, so Matt Gates in the Democratic Party. Exactly. Right? Like, how Matt exactly. Gates is always getting under some Republican skin. That does not exist on the no. Democratic Party side. No. Because even, even the squad, which the Democratic Party treats like they were, like, you know, essentially Lepers. kind of <laughs> internal terrorists or something, like, are pretty subservient, you know, really, at the end yeah. of the day. Um, yeah. And uh, so there isn't a culture of internal debate within the Democratic Party. There's also a big problem the Democratic Party has is that there's that there isn't anyone with any sort of popular legitimacy to mount a counter argument. Like in the, the biggest example in in I mean I don't want to say recent history because it was it was 45 years ago at this point, but. Um, when Jimmy Carter was president and he started instituting neoliberal reforms mm-hmm. and moving to the right and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. doing uh, um, all that good stuff, there was a guy named Ted Kennedy who was a senator yeah. who had a huge. He was you know, a lion of, of the Senate. <laughs> lion of the Senate. He was a Kennedy and he um, and and he had the, the, the stones and the popular legitimacy and the to challenge him yeah. in a primary as a sitting president. Like. No one in the Democratic Party has that right now. Like no, no kind of middle t- tier person. Like the closest is probably someone like a Gavin Newsom, governor of California. You know, but he's not gonna like, you know, the the, the, not the, in the a, party apparatus. Not in an overt way. He's not doing it. He no, remember he was the party doing apparatus. It. Yeah, in a way, he was. He was in he his was little kind sneaky, cute positioning way. himself. Yeah, he was positioning himself like if something happened to Biden, because like Biden could drop dead tomorrow. Like, would you be that shocked? Like he could literally just fucking die, you know, like he could just go to sleep and never wake up like that could happen. It's impossible to think that that 
it's, it would be ridiculous to think that that's impossible. It's hard to imagine like a president dying because it hasn't happened in our it's lifetime. It's never happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, not our lifetime, um, but like, th- like just yeah. dying, right? Not like um, what you would call John F. Kennedy, who didn't yeah. just die. He, you know, right. got killed by the CIA. <laughs> in the fucking Cubans, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the babe, I'm, it's hard I'm, to I'm, imagine. I'm working. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's all good. So yeah, so um, but that could happen, and so I think Newsom was just kind of banking on if that were to happen, that he wanted to position himself as a position mm-hmm. that he could be like the guy waiting in the wings, um, in case they didn't trust Kamala because like they clearly don't trust her. I mean, uh, she's you know, a disaster. It's, just, it's comical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so so. Yeah, there's just, there's just, there just isn't that. And so like, even someone like a Newsom, who's clearly extremely ambitious, always has been, he's not going to do anything to really rock the boat because these party structures for fundraising are so nationalized and they're so like, mm-hmm. it's just like a giant organization at this point. It's not, it used to be like a Ted Kennedy, you know, he kind of had his own source of power, like his own voters in Massachusetts. He didn't really need the party for anything, you know? Um, and, and, and now that's kind of different. So, so I think that's the big reason why. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a single, nobody even makes themselves into a thing, by the way. Right. Um, I think it's somebody like Newt Gingrich who like went out of his way to make himself into a national figure. There, there are no Democrats who do that. Um, no. not in any meaningful way. They pro- like I um what's his freaking name? The the um oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on this dude's name? The dude from California. It? Uh fuck. He was like the head of the resistance um when Trump got elected. Oh, After- if? Yes. At, like so Russia that's Gate a guy, Russia Gate yeah. guy. Yes, yes, Adam Schiff. So yeah. like when Trump gets elected, he's like making himself at the forefront of the resistance and all of that shit, right? And so, you know, he's got a little national recognition, or he had to be, because especially when you consider how much oxygen that shit got with cable news types, like this dude was on TV all the fucking time, but he was doing it in service of this bullshit Russia game. He wasn't doing it in service of some cause or some constituency that he represented. He was just doing the Russiagate dumb shit. Right. Like now try to imagine a Democrat who made themselves into a national figure by championing something that a bunch of Democrats cared about, you know, like they, he yeah. made himself the face of, you know, student loan debt or something. Not to say that a bunch of Democrats, but, you know, just something. There's nobody doing this. No. There is nobody within the party apparatus doing this. And so. Look. I don't want Joe Biden to die. (laughs) But if he did drop dead tomorrow, like they would have to run a really rushed primary process. And I think that would be great. They wouldn't. I don't think they would. They would just nominate somebody at the convention or you think they would just run Kamala? I think they would just run Kamala. I think they would just run Kamala. They they can't organize a primary. Like it's, it's too close like i mean the iowa caucus already happened you know what I mean? yeah put that, put that all together like can't do anything without like, iowa <laughs> that's why that's why ezra klein isn't suggesting a primary he's suggesting yeah, nominating he's saying just at the at convention because it's kind of late yeah. and it you know and at the convention like i mean not nominating the vice president would be kind of hilarious but I, so anything could happen but <laughs> you know the the 
one of the things I was thinking about is that the reason, one of the main reasons why Obama beat Hillary in 2007 in the, in the Democratic primary um, was because he didn't vote for the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. unclear whether he supported it or not. Because he but it was a differentiating factor. Huge, because Hillary was at the forefront of, of selling oh God. Iraq she, to the and liberals. she refused to walk it back. <laughs> I know. She was just like, well, I just think Saddam Hussein was a really bad guy. Um, so uh, Obama was clean in that sense. And I think that running someone like a Newsom or whatever, you know that I like Gavin Newsom. I'm just saying like someone kind of like him, a governor or whatever, you know, someone who isn't stained by the Gaza thing, you know, yeah. um, mm. would help him a lot with like young voters and Arab American voters like could come back to the Democrats if that were the case. Like, it's just hard to, it's hard for them to vote for Biden when they see the atrocities every single day on social media and the American president's like, yeah, we got to keep doing that. You know? Yeah. Um, like that, I can't, I, I don't think, I think that that's, it's hard to, like, I think that that's a huge factor in in, in Biden's collapsing poll numbers because, like, you know, it really has happened in the last three months. Um, and you know, you know, it's funny. I'm reading about Nikki Haley's. You know, she's making her case to the New Hampshire, blah 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 blah, man. And I'm like, you know, it's funny. I think the only reason Biden even has a chance is because he's going up against Trump. I think if the Republicans ran like a fake moderate conservative like Nikki Haley, all of these thirsty ass suburban reactionary ass Democratic Party people, Johnny Come Latelys, would gladly vote for Nikki Haley. Gladly oh, yeah. in a second over Joe Biden. They would lock oh, those yeah. people in like this if the Republicans had the stones to run that shit. I mean, I shouldn't say the stones. You know what's so funny too? Um, and I know I'm all over the place with this, but like uh, just nah. hearing the, the Dems panic and oh, you know, democracy is under threat and the not the Dems, the libs, democracy is under threat and, and Trump. And I'm like, yo, you know what's so funny about the Trump panic is like, this is actually democracy at work. Um, This guy yeah. has a legitimate popular, he, he's got legit popularity. Actual American citizens want to vote for him and see him be the leader of this country. That's democracy. It's democracy you don't like. But that's yeah. democracy, bro. He's in a primary. Well, and right they're now, trying to remove him. He's kicking they're everybody's ass. Him. Well, and they're trying to remove him from the ballots. I mean, Undemocratically. Because like, they're afraid. Yeah, because they're afraid of democracy. You know, like that's. It's hilarious that's, when they make that case. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and listen, the other the other factor that I was thinking about a lot, you know, outside of from outside of the stain of Gaza on Biden um, to a lot of Democratic voters is that. You, if you, if you, if you nominate a generic Democrat, it's pretty obvious to me that the issue of Roe v. Wade um, would really be the decisive factor in in winning it for them. You know, um, you know, Biden's kind of so unpopular that I think it's overwhelming that issue. But if like someone could just kind of, you know, some generic Democrat that wasn't, you know that wasn't offensive in any way, didn't have any particularly strong, like the fundamentals of the, of the electorate are with the Democrats. Um, you know, you've seen, we saw that in 2020, um, in the midterms, sorry, in the midterms of 2022, um, you know, we saw that they, that, that the Republican wave that we expected 
was blunted mostly by the issue of abortion, you know, and that Democrats just kind of won more than it was expected to because of that. And I think that that's pretty obvious. And and I think Biden is so deeply unpopular that it's overwhelming that issue. But if you got someone in that wasn't unpopular, it wasn't necessarily popular either. But, you know, people that that issue would come back to the forefront and it would really hurt um, Trump. Yeah. And, and also stop with the I'm tired of every single day. Well, actually, the economy is doing fucking fantastic and Biden needs to run up the economy. I'm over. It's like, bro, um, GDP is not a measure of how everyday Americans are doing. The stock market is not a measure of it. Yes, um, there's been some wage you know what gains. It is? Housing, Housing costs. Yes. Yeah. And that shit is expensive going as hell. Up. It's expensive yeah, as hell. Up. And there's not a single Democrat on the planet speaking to those problems right now. Especially not no damn Joe Biden, right? Um, the GDP, the GDP, excuse me, gross domestic product is a stat that pertains to the people who own our economy, not us who participate in it. It's, it's not a measure of our success in the economy, guys. It's no. for the people who actually own it. So, like, when all of these fucking idiots get up there and say, well, Joe Biden isn't effectively explaining to Americans that they're doing fantastic right now. It's like, it's so condescending, so stupid, so fucking lib. Um, it's just perfect. Last thing I wanted to get you out of here well, on, Nando. Yeah, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to get you out of here on... Um uh, Tucker, and I talked about this on Ethan's podcast, so forgive me if any of you guys heard Ethan's and are listening to this, but um, Tucker Carlson went to Russia uh, to do an interview with Vlad Putin, which I thought was pretty fucking dope, honestly. Um, I think it's yeah. important. Not that I like Vladimir Putin. I'm not a fan of his, although I came off kind of impressive. Um, I'm just saying, like, it's important for Americans to know 
who this guy is, the views that he espouses, like what his ideology is, that he's not some fucking cartoon character. He's not like Lex Luthor, y'all. Like, like, even if you disagree with the basis of the art, like if you disagree with the argument he's making, it's not a completely insane and ridiculous argument. So whatever, get that out the way. Um, but Tucker Carlson's like on the on the trains in Russia, like, oh, these are pretty nice trains and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like kind of participating in Russian propaganda, which is just fucking hilarious to me. Um, but man, Vlad Putin sat down, man. You want to talk about making somebody look like a mental midget? Yeah. Putin, man, he's he's a guy, Nando. Like a guy, a, a, a legitimate guy, dude. I mean, did anyone think uh, Vladimir Putin? I mean, anyone who thought Vladimir Putin was some dummy is 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 you know sadly mistaken. You mean, out don't, to lunch? You don't do. You know, he was a he was an intelligence agent. Like he was a you know he came up through the KGB and then the FSB. Uh, like he's not fucking you know like he come up you know. <laughs> Bro, yeah. Tucker, like, like magazines, you know, like, yeah. bro, like you are not on my level at all. And um, I, I just thought like his sort of giving Tucker Carlson a history lesson and just like making him understand his side of it, ultimately being like, yo, I'd love to come up with a peace deal. I'd yeah. love to. Is there a single, have you heard one single American in power say anything about peace in Ukraine? No. Like, do they even no. talk about it as a goal or an objective to stop this shit? No. Or should we just keep writing checks to Lockheed Martin? Yeah, no. No, I mean, listen, Vladimir Putin's obviously like a very bad man. Um, yeah, but he's, he's no monster, dummy. For sure. um, and I, I just think that one of the benefits of the Tucker interview was there's this problem that happens a lot in American media and American culture, whereas that you don't really ever hear from the official enemies. And so then it becomes easy right. for them to become cartoon villains, and, yeah. which then becomes easy for them to, for the only, the only justification is like full on violence, like, because you can't deal with these people. Right. Um, and I mean, this is true of North Korea. This is true of Venezuela. This is true of, you know, insert enemy regime here. You know what I mean? Remember, um, remember that, when we were at dinner, Nando, and you were like, they were like, Nando, tell them about this crazy thought that you have. And you were like, yeah, I think every nation should have a nuke. And people were like, what the <laughs> fuck? Are you crazy? And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I agree with that. It's not just that me and Nando agree on it. It's just like, bro, like, first of all, a yeah. bunch of our enemies have nukes. And guess who's the only person that's ever used them? Yeah, the United States. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's just like this idea I mean, it's that, a that there are argument, but it, yeah, it's no, a trollish argument, but but because obviously, like you know, in my heart of hearts, I would love like total denuclearization. Nobody to have nukes, of, of course, yeah, exactly. Um, but if they're gonna be there, you know, the 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 mis the the imbalance of countries with nukes and countries without nukes is is a is a huge invitation towards violence, and um, you know, the fact that North Korea has a nuke means that North Korea will never be invaded, you know, um, Period. <laughs> and, uh, whereas, you know, Gaddafi willingly 
gave away his uh, nuclear program in a deal with the United Nations, and then and then he was killed by by the United States. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, so. No, I think I just think it speaks to this idea that there are these different kinds of human beings in other countries who yeah. would behave so much more diabolically psychotically and less rational and, yeah. than we do here in the United States. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Like there are people who can read a situation and make sound decisions just like we claim to be able to do it. Like I it's just this that's why I think it's important for Vladimir Putin to quote unquote have a platform to like be like, yo, here's my, and Tucker Carlson was going after him kind of was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, why'd you invade this country? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like he was yeah. semi-combative. He was, this wasn't just a, so he just was just, he just, he just, he's just not on the level of a Vlad Putin. So it was just like, yeah, like he clearly knows nothing about Russian history. Like he clearly knows nothing about the sort of mindset of a Russian person and the people of that region and their cult. Like he clearly has no understanding of that. So he couldn't effectively, you know, counterpunch what Putin was throwing at him. Yeah. But man, yo, watching that shit, I'm like, yo, Putin is a fucking boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's got command. He's got a certain, com I mean, watching, comparing him to Biden is wild, right? Because like, you know, Biden can't, you know, get through a sentence and Putin has like total command of, of, uh, of the situation, like that's the, that's the image that he projected in that interview. Um, I encourage everyone to check out a, a, the latest episode of Radio War Nerd um, podcast, which is one of the best podcasts in the history of mankind. Um, okay. and Mark Ames and John Bowen. I'm about to get on get on there. You should get on it. It's fucking great. Um, their latest episode on Navalny kind of goes through the whole the whole recent history of Russia. Um, Radio War Nerd and Navalny. The Radio Warner, yeah, it's incredible. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's just, you when you listen to something like that, I mean, Mark Ames lived in Russia. He ran a, he ran a magazine called The Exile in Russia. Like, he, he speaks Russian perfectly. Um, so he, he, he's an American, but he, he understands Russia and knows Russia, Russia well. Um, hearing, him, hearing him talk about Russia and Russian politics and Russian history, it, it's just like... It, it's just like you realize the, the 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 information that you get here in the West about Russia is completely filtered through um, what I would call this kind of official enemy lens in which the there's a complete and willful misunderstanding of, of basically everything and this kind of um, cartoonish depiction of the official enemies as these kind of bloodthirsty crazy people and like you know, there's there 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 are violent people in Russia. Putin's a very bad man, but like I mean, I don't know. The United States does all kinds of violent shit that, to the outside world, looks heinous, and to us, we've just kind of absorbed it. So, um, I, I highly recommend. Say, I will check it say out. this. I will say this. And um, over the years, my view of our quote unquote enemies, which is China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, those are basically the four bads. And Venezuela. And, and Venezuela and Cuba, <laughs> quite hilariously, <laughs> this is just hilarious. Just that's just a ridiculous thing to say. Like Venezuela, sometimes Nicaragua. Nicaragua is one of them too. Sometimes, yeah. Um, my my, I've thought I've over the years come to see those countries more favorably um, than I previously did. Uh, just understanding yeah. what we, it's not just what we do abroad, but also the people who we call our best friends, 
meaning the Saudis, the Emiratis, the Israelis. Yeah. Like, why are they so much better than they're not Russia good people. and China yeah, they're not good. and yeah. Iran? I lived show, in China. show me the proof that they're way better than them. Yeah. I, I lived in China, so I feel a uh, certain authority to speak about, you know, how <laughs> CCP, CCP spokesperson over here, folks. <laughs> yeah, this is my <laughs> CCP propaganda. But no, I mean, just beyond that, I think that there's a image of China uh, in the West as these kind of automaton, obedient, mm-hmm. you know, massive people that are just kind of in the, you know, whatever Xi Jinping says, like that goes. Yeah, and, they're under and his whatever. spell, and blah, like, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like it couldn't be further from the truth. Like these are, these are pretty uh, anarchic people. Like they, they don't like to follow rules. They, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a completely opposite uh, <laughs> depiction. Like I see it all the time. I'm like, you guys have no idea, like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, this is just not my experience with Chinese people at all. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it's completely backwards. So, I mean, if you extrapolate that to every single other country, which I'm sure it's true, um, you know, it's, you can, you get a picture of, of how distorted things are for us. Yeah. And, and, and obviously we don't support the, the, the regime in Iran or whatever, except for the fact that they whooped America's ass. Uh, I mean, I support that. <laughs> they, they got the damn Yanks off of their freaking necks somehow miraculously. Yeah. And they haven't yeah. in the fucking, they haven't gotten over that shit since they're still pissed about the revolution. They're still, like, pissed. They're still mad they're about still it. They're still pissed about it. Still. Yeah. Right. Um, same with Cuba. Like, you know, just the idea is like, wait a second, this used to be our shit. We used to own this. What the yeah. fuck? You don't get to have your own country. Anyway, yeah. um, I, I encourage people who haven't seen it yet to go check out the Tucker Carlson interview because it's so fucking hilarious. Um, just how, how he just gets bodied. <laughs> he just gets smoked by Vlad Putin. Yeah. And it's the first time I've ever watched Putin speak. Sit, I've, I've never watched an interview of his before. Yeah. You gotta assume any any time any other interview, he's probably doing, you know, Russian media, which we know is just propaganda for the most part. Yeah. Uh yeah, so whatever. Check that shit out. Um, make sure you become a Patreon. We're doing new OG pods with the gang, me, Tom Haberstro, Amin, Trey. Uh, motherfucking Zach nice. Harper. That's why you see the big Zaz there. We're doing uh, the Zaz show with me and Zach every single Wednesday, talking NBA on there. So uh, doing Patreon exclusives on that. So make sure you guys lock into the Patreon, patreon.com backslash count the ding. Shouts to my man, John Gervais, keeping the trains running on time, man. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>